Our first movie tells the story of a friendship behind prison walls that spans more than 20 years. a very special quarterly episode of Mel Brown Madness. Uh, fuck, how do we do this again? Oh yeah, what is it? It's a it's an, an exercise, exercise in, in podcast, podcast hubris. hubris. That's right. My name is Derek Gaudet. I'm Isabel Arf. I'm actually saying my name more consistently now to start off with uh, right. because the next information I want to have credibility for. Okay. Um, I want people to know that I am not yanking their chain, as they might believe. Very serious. And I'm bringing them scientific information. Oh shit, you could drop so, some science on us? She knows spinach. The vegetable? Yeah. The, the Popeye shit? Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, the very same. Um, so it can do a lot of things. Everyone knows this. <laughs> Everyone knows this about spinach. Um, <laughs> I mean, it can feed me. That's about it. <laughs> well, now um, it can send emails that could warn us about climate change. Spinach can send emails? This is, this is from Euronews.com. The headline is scientists have taught spinach to send emails and it could warn us about climate change. Uh, the first sentence, huh. it may sound like something out of a futuristic science fiction film. No, it doesn't. No one's making science fiction films about spinach being able to email. Well, this, um, but Maybe in like 1971, but not now. Uh, with, I was going to say with cool runnings. No, with silent running? <laughs> silent running, What's, yeah. yeah. With, with Bruce go. Dern and the robots and shit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, but scientists have managed to engineer spinach plates, which are capable of sending emails. Through nanotechnology, engineers at MIT in the U.S. have transformed spinach into sensors capable of detecting explosive materials. These plants are able to wirelessly relay this information back to the scientists. When the spinach roots detect the presence of nitroaromatics in groundwater, a compound often found in explosives like landmines, the carbon nanotubes within the plant leaves emit a signal. The signal is then read by an infrared camera, sending an email alert to the scientists. So, hmm. I have a lot of problems with this. Number one is they did not teach spinach to send emails. Yeah. They, I got so excited when I read that title. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be big. But instead, they just put some nano chips in this fucking spinach. So you can't eat it anymore. <laughs> and now it just detects landmines. And I feel like there are more efficient ways to detect landmines. Yeah, like like, 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 like truffle sniffing pigs or those giant ass rats that I, that, that I saw a video about one time. Yeah, the hero rats that uh, find all of them. Yeah, they're so uh, light that which, they can't detonate the bombs, but they can find them. Kings, we, we stan. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering um, a lot of things. <laughs> what does this mean for humanity? Right? That, 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 okay, wait a minute. That spinach can send email or that uh, random news website out in Europe can't write copy very well? Oh, that spinach can send emails. Oh, okay. Um, what does it what mean does for it say humanity? to you about people? Spinach spam. It tells me that we have to embrace with spinach spam. Spinach would never send me spam emails telling me that they caught me watching pornography and they're going <laughs> to send it to my dad or whatever. Um, <laughs> no, you got a whole podcast. That might that. be a reference to a previous episode. <laughs> and I'd, we don't know because that was the original intro here. And then I read it to Derek and he was like, I think you've read this before. And now I'm too afraid to actually read it. Anyways. Hit us up if we haven't. 
hit us up in the chat if I've if I have or have not done a bit about getting a spam email about someone recording me while I was watching pornography. Anyways, <laughs> um, Professor Michael Strano has a lot to say about this. So he says plants are very good analytical chemists. Not really, <laughs> I, but okay. I, yo, I understand sure, the metaphor you're going for. I'm pretty sure you need a PhD for that. <laughs> they have an extensive root network in the soil. That's true. Are constantly sampling groundwater. Also true. And have a way to self-power the transport of the water up into the leaves. That seems disingenuous to me. This is hey. like a hop and a skip. This is this all seems like a hop, skip, and jump away from water has memory. This is a novel demonstration of how we have overcome the plant-human communication barrier, he adds. I don't think it really is. Derek, what do you think? About the plant, uh, the plant-human communication barrier? Yeah, do you think it's been breached properly? Well, I mean, I mean, sometimes I water a plant. Sometimes a, a tree grows around a wheelbarrow, and sometimes I tap a maple tree for sap in the spring. That's the extent of my communication with plants. I'm not. So they, I, I'm not looking to hook up, you know. I'm not looking to smash a poison ivy or whatever. I mean, I'd look and smash one of those poison ivies, the one in <laughs> the Batman. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, I was like, I don't know if you want to do that. I think your, I, I, I think maybe your genitals would want you to re- reconsider. Uh, God, I love, I love whenever you, anyone references water memory. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> it's pretty It's my stupid. favorite thing. Um, if you've never heard about water memory. That's in like the grand, uh, under the grand umbrella term of, uh, homeopathy, correct? Yeah, homeopathy, which is the best form of pseudoscience. Or, or like, I will say this. Y- you know alternative medicine? hmm So, occasionally, some of it has some small studies to back up some sort of benefit to it. If we're, go- if we're looking at just the ones that don't, which is most of them, but if we're looking at just the ones that don't, I will say homeopathy is the one I'm coolest with. Because at worst, at worst, you uh, like get some water. Sure. Actually, that's not true. At worst, a baby gets poisoned. Long story. No. Yeah. But in long, uh, you, can get, you can drink some water for homeopathy. And I think that's great. More people should drink water, and <laughs> well, on the scale of like, um, on the scale of uh, positive thinking to crystal healing for mal- for like non malignant cancers, where do you place homeopathy? <laughs> um, I place homeopathy right more towards the crystal healing side of things because, okay. like, in fact, maybe above that because, like, I'm not saying that hanging out near crystals isn't good for your mental health because it is. Like you def- if you're constantly hanging out near crystals, you're going to be a more pleasant person to be around. Unless you hang out around them too much, there's like a barrier. There's, there's like a tipping point where you, if you're always around crystals, then you become a I don't want to be around person. You. Exactly. Um, but if you're around them, sometimes you probably chill. If you're drinking a lot of water, also probably chill. Probably. If you are in like, <laughs> like, like some ten thousand dollar course to learn how to think your way out of having cancer. Then, not the best thing. Yeah, uh, reminds me that one of these days we need to talk about Morgulons because Morgulons. Oh, I was actually my... going to bring up Morgulons because, as a sense which I never thought I would say, uh, especially on wax. But uh, no, um, I was. Uh, I, uh, sometimes I am the bearer of bad pop culture news, and sometimes that's telling someone that Joni Mitchell thinks she has Morgulons. <laughs> and uh, that happened to me. That happened what? to me last. Wait, you don't know either? No. Joni Mitchell believes in Morgulons, or thinks she has Morgulons. Holy shit. Yeah, right? I'm sorry, audience. I'm eating food, but I just need to interrupt because I'm... 
Oh wait, no. Oh, did I did I accidentally turn the tables? You did. I, I'm genuinely shocked right now. Hold on a second. Let me. Like, Johnny I just want to make sure. What the fuck? I want to make sure that I'm not misremembering something. Uh, yeah, uh, on the wiki on the Internet Science page for Ms. Joni Mitchell, uh, uh-huh. uh, under the under the uh, heading 2016 present health problems recovery and archival projects, first <laughs> line after the link to Joni Mitchell archives. Mitchell yeah. said uh, Ma- Mitchell has said that she has Morgellons syndrome, and in 2010 said uh, said she planned to leave the music industry to work towards giving more credibility to people diagnosed with Morgellons. Oh no! Yep, Joni. Yep, come that on. Yet, then she had a brain aneurysm five years later. She dead? Right? She's still alive? She, yeah, she's... Uh, she, What's she up she, to? She's not a whole lot. She's old as hell. She had a stroke. She's learned to walk again, according to David Crosby. I mean, apparently she's got Morgulons. That's tough. And apparently she's got Morgulons. Uh, yeah, uh, Joni, Joni's, Joni's still 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 kicking, but, uh, you know, there, there have been, people have aged more gracefully. Let's put it that way. Now I'm like trying to see if there's any other. Is she the most famous sufferer from Morgulons? I have to think that that's the case. Um, J. I'm I'm like looking right now. Like who else has Morgulons? Um, internet and media influence. Yeah, not. I'm just not. Uh, yeah, chronic Lyme. I know about that. Come on now. I'm I'm scouring the page. So am I. For like names, and the only like name name is Joni Mitchell. Okay. Well. Good also, for everyone who isn't Joni Mitchell. Should we explain what Morgulons is? If anyone's fucking listening and doesn't know what we're talking that's about. That's right. Like, I know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. Well, I'm on the page, so I'll just read it again from the Internet Science page. Morgulons is the informal name of a self-diagnosed, scientifically unsubstantiated skin condition in which individuals have sores that they believe contain fibrous materials. It's real, it's real body horror shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Morgulons is not well understood, but the general medical consensus is that it's a form of delusional parasitosis. Uh, for those who of- don't know it, is when you think that like you have parasites or something underneath your skin, delusionally, like they're not actually there. They're not actually there. Uh, the sores are typically the result of compulsive scratching, and the fibers, when analyzed, are consistently found to have originated from clothing or other textiles. Yeah. It's not actually. Here's the pro- here's the problem with me. Never, I never brought up Morgulons before because I didn't have a funny angle into it. Because mostly, it's just sad. It is sad. It is sad because it's people being taken advantage of. People with real concerns and probably who need some mental health treatment or who need actually compassionate doctors who listen to them and try to figure out what's actually going on with them. But instead, quack quack doctors are like, hey, I know the exact cure for this. It's probably going to be putting bleach in your asshole because that seems to be the cure for fucking everything. Um, in your asshole? Yeah. Have you not heard about bleach enemas? Uh, well, now that you say it like that, I think I have. Yeah, real real dark was, shit. If you ever want to be really sad, then learn more about bleach enemas one day. But Derek, I know, I know a lot of shit that I don't want to know. We're not here to talk about bleach enemas today. That's for <laughs> thank later. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, thank God that's the case. No, this we was are supposed here. to be a short episode. What are we doing? I don't know. Um, so, uh, eagle-eyed viewers will remember that uh, about sixteen-ish episodes ago, we uh, decided to make like a signpost episode commemorating. Uh, our uh, journey through one quarter of the first round of our bracket and one eighth of the larger Middlebrow Madness bracket. Now we've come to another, uh, another signpost, another uh, milestone. We are officially halfway through the first round, which means we are one quarter of the way through the entire goddamn thing. So we're just going to quickly recap the uh, 
Uh, we're going to quickly recap the uh, the action thus far from the second quarter of our bracket and uh, do some fun little superlatives, and uh, that'll be that. Just so you can get up to speed so you don't have to listen to, uh, you know, a, a lot of material, uh, some of them involving things not identical to but similar to Morgulons and Bleach Enemas. I wish that My was My hands joke, are currently covered in fire sauce. Because I forgot to grab paper towels, so I'm just licking fire off as my fingers off as you're talking. So I apologize Gross. to the listeners. I'm, I probably deleted the noises because I was editing it. Maybe sure. I didn't. In case you're hearing that, that's what it is. If you hear like slurping sounds, it's fire sauce. Now I'm gonna listen for them now. Um, so okay, so uh, to quickly recap the action from the second uh, from the second quarter of this, we bracket, should do Taco Bell based ASMR. Isn't that just ASMR? I mean, like, does it have yeah, to be, be like, like oh, like. See, that's, that's, the <laughs> that's the rapper part of it. And then I, let, let's see if we can hear me open this fire sauce. Hold on. Did you hear that? Well, it was you hitting the mic, I think. No. I, okay. Well, we all make mistakes. We're new <laughs> with this ASMR uh, gambit. But for right now, we'll put it to the side and we'll do the thing that you were talking about. Yes. What was that? Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to run through the results of the second quarter of the bracket. And maybe Hot you t- can like interject with like cool or that's fucked up that that happened or what or whatever the hell you feel like i'm gonna be the hype man for you i'm gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be the hype man for me reading the results of this fucking bracket <laughs> uh I'm all right be flavor so, flay but for this podcast yeah f- yeah it means in like two decades i'll have a very embarrassing reality show <laughs> uh i'm sure it's a taco bell joke to be made with flavor flay but uh i'm not the one to think of it uh all right yeah, so when you're eat taco bell you better have a clock on you for your poop <laughs> Oh I don't know. God. Wow. Well, Derek. I didn't think of anything, so that's better than what I did. Uh, <laughs> By default, to I win. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so here's how it went. Be Eternal... my Jesus Christ. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind over Kill Bill Volume 1. Terminator Dude. Do... Oh, what's that? I said dope. Dope. Uh... <laughs> Should I interject <laughs> okay. against every single one? Just... I wait. <laughs> Maybe just in... interrupt whenever you feel strongly. <laughs> Okay, continue. Uh, Terminator this is a disaster. Co- we haven't recorded for like most people. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing that we're doing this as like sort of a as like a, a dry run for the actual episode that we're going to record next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terminator Two: Colon Judgment Day defeating Catch Me If You Can, Scarface over V for Vendetta, The Silence of the Lambs over The Wizard of Oz, uh, which was uh, con- which is one of our more contentious episodes because I'm not the world's biggest fan of The Wizard of Oz. Um. Yeah, I had to be like the defender of positivity and happiness in that one. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, North by Northwest over The Life of Brian, the the Monty Python film. Uh, Rush over Grave of the Fireflies, which was, in my humble opinion, one of our best sort of arguments because I think we both agreed that Grave of the Fireflies was the better movie, but we were kind of adamant that we didn't want to watch Grave of the Fireflies again. (laughs) And I think we both liked Rush well enough that we didn't feel bad uh, sort of moving it on into the 32, or the not the 32, but the 128. Rush is dope as hell, as well. Say, I, I think Isabel actually likes Rush more than more than I. I mean, I think it's good, but Isabel thinks it's like a near masterpiece. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm also just a, a Ron Howard stan half the time. Yeah, half the time he makes the worst fucking shit. Uh, yeah, you're half big, the time uh, he makes hillbilly elegy. This is the thing with Ron Howard. We talked about it on that episode, which is part of the reason why I think it's one of our best episodes is that like Ron Howard has like no style, but he also has sort of uh, 
he has kind of erratic taste because sometimes he'll get like a rush or, or even an Apollo 13, which is a kind of a carpentry, not John Carpentry, but kind of like sturdy, uh, sort of crowd pleasing, just studio film. There's like, it's like or, the, the perfect three and a half star film, or you get fucking in, the Grinch in the or whatever. Sea. Or in the Heart of the Sea, which I have not seen, but you're a great, great fan of. Or or sometimes you get like the Grinch. In the Heart of the Sea is one removal of a like framing story away from being a masterpiece. Okay, so if you were to edit that, you would take out the frame story and it'd be like a perfect movie. Yeah, and just, just like as long as you take that out, you're good. Um, have you ever seen Master and Commander? The Peter The Weir Far film? Side of the World? I sure have. Yeah. That film's movie, dope as fuck. I think that's I'm a movie excited I would really it. like. I've never, I've never seen that movie, and I think I should watch it. I feel it's like that's fucking got, good. Like I think it's very I, much a Derek movie. I was gonna say it feels like a Derek movie. And yeah, it's 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 a movie that didn't get much love because it's a movie about like fucking ships, and it looks boring as hell. Um, it's not. It's basically about like the ships sea change, rock, if you pardon the the, the pun, <laughs> the sea change between like different eras in history, and. The relationship of like nation to uh, action. It's really good. That's my opinion on Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. You should watch it if you're listening to this podcast. It's better than uh, Rush, I'll say that. Oh. Um, yeah. We have uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri over Downfall. That was kind of a lugubrious <laughs> matchup. What a slog. That uh, was rough. Um, the Handmaiden Over Fight Club, which I think is correct but feels bad. Yeah, because yeah. David Fincher is going to get shut the fuck out around too, <laughs> which is weird. I, I, okay, if they would have put fucking Zodiac on this list, like normal people, then we'd be fine. But I think I think Zodiac is not the people's the people's favorite. I mean, it's our favorite because we're fucking dorks, but <laughs> I don't think it's the people's favorite. People probably like Mank better than Zodiac. I I'm never gonna see Mank. I feel like that is my life. I'll I'll probably sit down and watch it like this summer, like after the Oscars. Because it's like nominated for like ten Oscars. Yeah, but I, I never have had Netflix. Well, I think I had it like, t- like ten years ago. So I have no easy way to access it. It's not the kind of thing I would go out of my way to access. So it's just I'm on the parents' account. Oh, very lucky for you. Actually, no, yeah. I, I wouldn't even watch it then. Like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very. I'm not. I'm not the kind of person that's like, oh, what am I going to watch? I'll just find something. It's like, no, I'm going to watch something specific. I have a goal, and my goal is to do X, Y, and Z. So we're going to shoot towards that. So we're going to shoot towards that goal. Uh, not to further open a parenthesis and what's supposed to be like mm-hmm. a, um, a a short episode, but I think this is an opportunity to kind of stretch and do talk about things that we wouldn't normally talk about. Yeah, um, sure. As far as like, I have struggled my entire life with sort of guiding my watching habits, which was really easy to do like in grad school because you just fucking watch what was on the syllabus and you just go out to the movies all the time. And it's like, that's, that's easy money. Cause you got, you got like, you work 20 hours a week and you watch movies at school. So what do you do with the rest of your time? Go to fucking movies. Um, uh, but now, and, and like, since I graduated, I found it very difficult to sort of organize my viewing in such a way that I don't feel burdened by just the infinite fucking choice that I have. And now with this podcast, it kind of sort of, um, things get kind of channeled in a specific way. So I've got this channel, which incidentally allows me to hit a lot of my blind spots. I've got this sort of other project or not a project, but I've got like, I do like these movie drafts with my friends and it's like, okay, what movies from this year are we taking? And that kind of hones in on another thing. And I think my failure before was that I was still trying to organize it by like year because I was trying to keep up with like the end of like the end of year sort of list season. But now I'm like out of the critic game. 
so I don't have to. I don't feel like I have. I bet to your point, I don't feel like I have to see the the, the big releases, so I can kind yeah. of go on my own. Like I'm wat- watching movies at my own pace for my own sort of esoteric reasons. Has not only yielded good fruit in the sense that I've watched a bunch of movies that I that I like, but also it's been I've been able to watch more movies because it feels less daunting. It's weird. No, I, I completely get what you mean. I think that like a I'm very happy to not like be trying to watch enough movies to make your end list anymore because holy mm. shit was that a lot of pressure. Like it was very much like oh shit I gotta watch that movie, but like. I don't want to, but if I don't watch it, then my list is not going to be complete or whatever like that. And it was like, oh, I got to sideline all these movies that I actually want to watch because I have to watch a bunch of these movies that I'm pretty sure I won't like. And that sucked. For me, it's it's really like mood-based, like based on what I'm kind of looking for. I essentially have different styles of films set up for that. Like I always have sure. a couple of found footage movies on hand that I haven't watched before if that's something I'm looking for, which that's usually the thing I'll reach for just because I love found footage horror movies and they're... They're an easy thing to throw on and not think about. I also agree this podcast has been super good at getting me to focus on shit. Because uh, otherwise, I would never have watched, like, The Third Man, for example. Which is weird, because that's, like, sort of a like like a film nerd, like, banger. It's in Criterion, it's got Orson Welles in it, you know. That's why I didn't want to watch it. I was like, everyone already knows this movie's good. What am I going to add to it? Like, there's nothing interesting for me. Like, if I recommend someone, hey, have you seen The Third Man? There's nothing interesting about that. Um, and it's not so much that I'm trying to be like super unique. It's just more that if I'm watching a movie, partially it's for me, obviously. Partially it's also like, hey, if I like this, I can tell the people about it. And I still have enough people kind of around me in social media that if I tell people, hey, watch uh, X movie, a lot of people will do it, which is very nice. Also very humbling in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm more interested in seeking out the weird shit and being like, hey, you've never heard of this. Watch it, maybe. Uh, that's more interesting to me than being like, hey, have you heard of... Uh, Diabolique, it's pretty good. You should probably watch it. I think I think our kind of cinephile bubble ruins our sense of perception. That is true. If like to use the example of the Third Man, if it's like okay, so I know that the Third Man is is considered one of the great movies, but I've not seen it. So part of it is like it's for my own edification. But also, mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone in your circle of dorks that's not seen the Third Man. Yeah, and but no there's probably one... going to be like like ten people who haven't like seen you know X other movie like When You're Lost in the Rain or something like that. When I'm, I'm looking at my most recent diary stuff, which is great. Watch When You're Lost in the Rain. It's a short film uh, by I believe it's Sky Hopina. Yeah, Sky Ho- Sky Hopinka, who is a native filmmaker uh, who does really really good experimental work, uh, but that's still very approachable. And uh, there's one part in that film where uh, the there's a reading of the poem Pioneers of Pioneers in one extreme side of the audio space, and there's an interview with someone in the other extreme side talking about like uh, like their experiences. And slowly over like the course of this part, they switch places. And then a middle, like in, for a little bit in the middle, they're just competing with each other and you can't understand either of them. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, highly recommended work just in general. Uh, Sky, Sky Hopinka is really good artist see i get to do stuff like that instead of um being like hey the godfather pretty good flick but i can do that same i guess it depends on the circles you're in but i can do that exact same spiel with the third man right Uh, i mean sure i guess i got i I got like normie buds who are not like sort of like are not we're not like dorks about it like like we are i guess the difference is that like i don't really talk about movies with my normie people 
So, like, I wouldn't have chances to do that. I pretty much only talk about movies with, like, dorks. Sure. Or I'll post about them online, and online is nothing but dorks. That's why we're online. So. Mm-hmm. All right, back, back back to whatever the hell this was. Oh, yeah, so um, 2001 A Space Odyssey over Finding Nemo, which is not fair to Finding Nemo at all. So um, it's the best Pixar film. <laughs> I feel weird saying that, but I guess it's true. I I don't know if I agree with that, but we we, we know about you and Pixar. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and we'll watch a bunch of other fucking ones later in the fucking podcast. Yeah, those, so. those movies. We got to watch The Incredibles because... two. We got to watch Up. We got to watch yeah. Toy Story one and three. I don't think two is on the list. Oh uh, no, it's just gonna be miserable. Anyways, not to, not to, of, not to be a wet blanket. Our defender of joy, everybody. Um, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine over the Intouchables. The Intouchables, I should say, not the Untouchables. Um, the Untouchables not on this list. Uh, Wild Strawberries over Snatch. La Ain over The Usual Suspects. Das Boot over Platoon. Uh, the Wages of Fear over The Lives of Others. Heat over Judgment at Nuremberg. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon over The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. I will say that that next round matchup, Dog Day Afternoon versus Heat, is one of the ones I'm most excited for because they're Double Pacino! Th- the same genre that are doing it from very, very, very different angles. That's right. Uh, Double Pacino, yes. Um, uh, Sunrise over Amadeus. Gladiator over Hashi, a dog's tail. I don't know if we're <laughs> going... I don't know. Th- this is. This was like... like I try to have, I try to be pretty even-keeled on the show, but Hashi, a dog's tail turned out to be my fucking... That, that turns out that Hashi, a dog's tail was my fucking berserker button. That's like the most pissed off I've been on this show. I remember at the, at the end of that like discussion, I almost started like pushing for, for Hachi to win over Gladiator, and I thought you which were which is insane. Me. I mean, uh, listen, I know why that listen, I know why that movie's on that list, but it's a dog shit movie. Pardon the pun. Uh, oh, and, uh, who won between? Oh no, I think it was uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade versus Room. There's not a winner listed, but I think it was Room. Yeah, that's pro- like when I was making the updates, I didn't remember if Room or Indiana Jones won, but it was Room, right? Yeah, it was, because uh, in the next episode, we're going to do Raiders against Nausicaa, and uh, it's going to be a good one. I can feel it. Uh, The Matrix over the help? Fucking... fucking Maybe the easiest decision. (laughs) I think so. M M over How to Train Your Dragon. Memento over Spotlight. Yojimbo over The Seventh Seal before Sunset. That is the hardest one of this whole thing. Yeah, Yojimbo versus Seventh Seal is like, that's like nine and a half stars, ten stars. (laughs) In those two films. Uh, Before Sunset over Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Gran Torino over To Kill a Mockingbird. Psycho over La La Land. Uh, The Kid over Gone with the Wind. The Green Mile over Diabolique, which... I let let this happen. (laughs) You did. It was the correct decision. I... Because... I mean, we talked about it. I think it might win over The Kid. Like, I think it's a better movie than The Kid. That's wild. Like we'll maybe in there. terms of stri- we'll get there in like maybe three in terms. <gasps> yeah, we'll get there. In, like yeah, uh, Rangda Basanti over witness for the prosecution. Uh, Amir Khan remains undefeated, I suppose. <laughs> no, he, uh, uh, although, like stars he on lost, earth lost. Like stars on earth. Two out of three ain't bad though. Yeah, to quote Meatloaf. Um, <laughs> Stalker over Coco. Uh, I believe, uh, and from here they're not listed, but I think it was the third man over Asan Z and the Godfather over close up. Am I correct? I think that was it. Uh, if people are listening to this, then you have already heard this—the result of this matchup. I'm currently editing it, and I don't remember. 
I know I, think that, I know that I think, we like all of these movies. That's right. Um, I think the Third Man and Godfather won. I, I'm pretty sure the Third Man won because uh, what do you call it? I think I was like, oh, I said everything I had to say on Incendies. Oh, so oh, that's it. Yeah, old Dan. Yeah, you you went yeah. long on Incendies. You had a whole uh, whole whole pet theory about it. Since you wanted to move the Godfather forward, close up automatically lost. So that's right. Um, so yeah, so I think it's uh, Third Man and Godfather that won those last two matches. And now you and now, dear listener, you are up to speed. With our bullshit, uh, you now know how half of the round two bracket uh, looks like. Uh, now, uh, if uh, our if our previous timetable is to be believed, the rest of this bracket is going to take us until 2024 to finish uh, before we hit round two, actually. so To be uh, fair, um, this is a shorter break than we've had in the past, specifically because that was on purpose and I didn't run myself till I was burnt out. I didn't run myself till I was almost burnt out. And now that I'm at my new store because there's a whole thing that happens in my personal life i'm more settled there and i have a much better routine each day and i'm not fucking overwhelmed all the time so which is good i think we're we're starting off way better and we're much more likely to keep going this time uh yeah with uh another another 128 movies. <laughs> <laughs> i, I oh like to think of us as like a, like a baby bird who's learned to fly you gotta try a bunch of times before you actually lift off Holy moly. And you're probably of, still going to fall of, a couple more times. Some of these pairings are absurd. Oh, God. The Great Dictator versus Mad Max Fury Road. It's pretty good That's one. rough. It's, com- it's coming right up. Oh, shit. Um, I get to watch Paris, Paris, Texas, finally. Paris, Texas has been yeah. sitting on my shelf for like five years. Paris, Texas was... I fr- Well, I'll say this now because it's, it's, not, it's not relevant to whether or not... Uh, it's not relevant to like the inherent qualities of that film. But I first saw Paris, Texas when I was in college. I was 17 years old. And I didn't know that something... That I didn't know that a movie could be that beautiful. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I have a very I have a very big, very soft spot in my heart for, for Paris, Texas. I'm excited. It's got, it's got uh, Herodine Stanton, right? Herodine Stanton, that's right. King. Great performance. So should we do our uh, superlatives? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's like I, I only got a couple. I got the basic. I got I got two basic ones. I've got okay. uh, f- I've got favorite new to me. And I've got favorite rewatch. Okay, I have a bunch set up, but I only have to do some of those. They were like I was I wasn't sure how many you'd get, so I said a, a shitload. So I have um, best new to me, best rewatch, and then two other categories that we'll get to when we get to. I mean, I could try. I could try to like off the dome the one the other ones, but uh, anyway. Uh, my favorite first time watch of our set of our second quarter was Matthew Kasovitz lying, which I feel like is something that I should have seen when I was way younger and way hungrier about that specific flavor of movie. But I was very glad to catch it uh, when I did. It's a film of incredible dynamism. It's a film of um, uh, it's a great story. It's great filmmaking, and I like a movie that's clearly sort. I like a movie that's clearly like a homage to a bunch of other movies, but that is clearly speaking its own language. Because this yeah, is clearly yeah. like this is clearly do the right thing. This is clearly Taxi Driver. This is clearly a couple things. But I had a lot of fun with it, and as much as you can, as much you can have fun with a movie that kind of like dark. Yeah, it's it's very. It, it never stops. Like it's just energetic the entire time. Just keeps barreling forward. I really yeah. liked it quite a bit. Um, I think you liked it even more than me. I'm excited to revisit it. I'll be honest. Now that I kind of ha- know more of what the contours of it look like. 
Yeah, it's a very galvanizing piece of piece of cinema, and I was very very happy to watch it. Yeah. Um, so what was your if favorite? I say my uh, my best new to me? Um, I think it'll it's both a surprise and not a surprise. It's a surprise to me looking like if I was looking back on this in the past or forward on this in the past, whereas like now it's just obvious. It's it's before sunset, like not even uh, close. Yeah. I like adore that movie. Uh, I think about that, it like I, I still think about it like all the time. Like at least like once a week, I'll think about before sunset, which I love. Like, like I love the fact that like this this fucking bracket completely changed my view in this movie that I was expecting to like really fucking hate. It added it added some shading to your opinion of one Richard Linklater. It had some light to my like feeling on Richard Linklater because before it was just a pitch black dungeon I threw a bunch of shit in. Um, <laughs> whereas now I'm like, hey, let's get some of that shit out of there. Not all of it, but a little bit of it. And yeah, before sunset, I still think it's like incredibly beautiful. Uh, like almost almost like overwhelmingly beautiful. It's 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 a lot. Yeah, I even had like a category on my superlatives that was biggest surprise that wasn't before sunset. Sure, um, because that one's pretty obvious, and that that was rush for what it's worth. Just because I didn't expect what it was, mm. but it's not even close to the same surprise as before sunset. Great movie. I'm I can't wait until Criterion has their next half off sale so I can get the uh, box set with all three and finally watch before midnight because I'm pretty sure I will sob watching that. Yeah, I, I'm putting that off because I don't think I'm ready for it. I don't think I've got the emotional fortitude for it. What about what about your best rewatch? My best rewatch. It was a lot. There was this was a hotly contested category. Because there's a lot of masterpieces in this in this um, in this section of the bracket, I don't want to telegraph who I think is going to win the whole thing, even though I think we all know who I think is going to win the whole. Yeah, thing. Yeah, that's why I didn't so say I'm, that one. <laughs> so I'm going to say Yojimbo. Oh, I think okay. I think the best matchup of round one, as far as the quality of both films, is Yojimbo v Seventh Seal. Ingmar Bergman did very well in this section of the bracket, but. Akira Kurosawa, uh, uh, Akira Kurosawa owns fucking bones, and like because I hadn't seen Yojimbo in a while, and they go back, and it's like a perfect movie. There is not a hair out of place on it. Um, Toshiro Mufune is the goat. It's fucking fantastic. It's a blast. To, it was a blast to revisit. Fucking, I like I. Whenever I like list out my list of favorite directors, I always feel like a shortchange Kurosawa because I've not seen a bad Kurosawa film. So, so, so yeah, so I'm going to go with Yojimbo as my favorite rewatch. I mean, that completely makes sense. Obviously, like, I was more on the Seventh Seal side of that discussion, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of matchups in this bracket where, like, something went forward that I didn't, I, I didn't personally agree with, where I'm like, eh, I wish the thing I, like, I'm a little sad the thing I wanted didn't move forward, but, like, sure. I can't be mad at Yojimbo. Like, that's fine. <laughs> like, like, Yojimbo <laughs> is such a fucking great movie. Like, I can't be like, uh, why didn't Seventh Seal win? Like, no, it's fucking Yojimbo. We're good. It's good. Yeah. So what about you? What was your favorite rewatch? Uh, it was Stalker. Like, pretty hands down. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Tarkovsky is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. We're going to be talking about my favorite movie of his uh, later up in the bracket. And I will make an impassioned plea for, uh, which I don't think I'll need to. I think you also like that movie quite a bit, Solaris. But Which movie is uh, Solaris? Yes, of yeah. course. Um, one Solaris of my top is... ten favorite movies of all time. Fun fact, it was the first um, Criterion movie I ever bought it. Oh, you never forget your first. Mine was two lane blacktop. Oh, okay. Hey, my dad's gonna hate that, but you know, hey. Yeah, I know. I know how your dad feels about two lane blacktop, <laughs> and he's still fucking wrong. Yeah. Um. Uh, I will say a couple of the other. <laughs> a couple of the other like little superlatives I just had ready to go. So largest disparity between good movie that made me sob and bad movie that made me sob is obviously Grave of the Fireflies and Hashi: A Dog's Tale. 
because yes, I would concur. Both movies made me cry my eyes out. Uh, but Grave of the Fireflies is real fucking great. Like, like mm-hmm. it's real fucking. I, I, I don't need to defend Grave of the Fireflies. Everyone knows. I'm sure you've seen it. And Hashi was race. just fucking awful, and didn't even bunch. look like a movie that would be released in theaters. Yeah, it looks like it looks like uh, like straight to cable. like a Hallmark movie. Yeah, Hallmark movie exactly. Yeah, which is not to disparage Hallmark movies exactly, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, hey, Charles Burnett made a couple Hallmark movies, and his also it, it looks like flimsy. Dog shit. Yeah, it looks flimsy is what we're saying. Um, and then biggest waste of Ryan Gosling was Blade Runner 2049. I don't think there were any That's other options that for people to waste Ryan Gosling. Very, I'm on record as saying that movie fucking rules. But and you've got um, uh, complicated feelings. <laughs> Sure, put it we'll very say gently. That. Yeah, I mean, hey, we'll get to talk about it again because it, it did move forward because it was going up against something else very bad, if I remember correctly. Ah, oh, God, what is it? Go- what is uh, it? It, it, it went up against oh, the Untouchables. Go- oh. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, here's the thing: it's going to lose in the next round, one hundred percent. Maybe I change my mind on it. I won't, but maybe I do. Um, anyways, As, I can like, always use I will a veto. Use every veto I have, if you want to fucking nerf two thousand one in round two, that's insane. <laughs> I, I'm probably not going to do that, but. Movie I am least excited to talk about for a second time. It's got to be Three Billboards. Like, holy shit, Derek. I'm dreading I'm, watching that. I've already seen it twice now because I watched yeah, it once the year came out and watched it for this podcast. I fucking hate that movie so much. I, okay. I, at, at least, the like, way- here's the thing. I'll say Blade Runner 2049, I think, is a movie that I dislike more. But at least there's stuff going on in it and it's pretty. Whereas Three, three Billboards yeah, is just a, story. A, a flat, like shit sandwich uh, uh, not even a flat shit sandwich more more like like you just put a bunch of like oatmeal into like a pig trough <laughs> and just like let it sit out for three days and decide hey here's what we got for dinner tonight how do you feel this, about it this is this is the thing and i'm sure I, we talked about it whenever we did our three billboards episodes like i don't dislike three billboards i don't think it's a great movie but there's something there's something about it. Maybe I just like the people who are in it. Maybe I just like the sort of like overwrought purpleness of it. Maybe there's I do find an appeal in things that take themselves so seriously that it comes off looking really stupid. Cause this is not like a smart movie. It's not an incisive movie. It's like it's like it's like a it's like Tennessee Williams for stupid people. But I <laughs> if, think if that we're gonna rules. watch Tennessee Williams for stupid people, we should have watched the Paperboy. That movie no, is Tennessee Williams list. for stupid people, and it owns. Uh, you get to watch Nicole Kidman pee on Zac Efron. Dope. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> that, I will tell people that's like, not a very good movie, but you should definitely watch it. It's high quality. Is it, I mean, I guess I get to see Francis McDormand swear a bunch. I mean, that's all right. I don't know if it's any, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it gets up love to Nicole, Nicole Kidman pissing on a guy, but any guy, any guy, let alone Zac Efron. Let alone Zac Efron. Remember when Zac um, Efron was a thing? Is he still a thing? Is he still alive? He's still I think alive. He, I, he's still alive. I think he had some substance abuse issues, and he's still he's still working. But uh, uh, the comeback will be sweet. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. I am checking out his personal life section. What? Hold on. Yeah, like DUIs and fucking. Uh, I wasn't really looking at that. Um, but I mean, it allegedly. Looks... I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, it is. It's not allegedly. It is. It is actually like. Oh, that. okay. But that was in like 2013, 2014. Here's here's a newer thing. 
Um, in December 2019, Efron contracted a serious and potentially life-threatening illness, a form of typhoid, while filming his adventure series Killing Zach Efron in oh, Pop right, he's like Bear now. He's yeah. Bear Grylls now. Oh, that is... That's something. Did you ever see the video of... Uh, Zach Efron was at a, like, EA event at, like, E3 one year, and it was him and uh, Fox, uh, Jamie Foxx, and they're both clearly out of their fucking minds high. Like, just, just like, just wrecked. <laughs> like, like, like. Just obliterated. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something. Look up if anyone can find it. <laughs> like, the E3 footage with Jamie Foxx and Zach Efron to see people be extremely wasted trying to talk about call of duty great stuff <laughs> i could just get i could just get the homies on the horn to do that <laughs> <laughs> but uh so anyways derek was saying three billboards is going to be the handmaiden i don't think it's going to be the handmaiden that's a fucking that's like a legit masterpiece that that's a that's a, that's one of the sexiest movies i've ever seen okay I, 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 to be fair i watch a lot of pornography from my other podcasts so i mean i've seen, I've seen I mean, a lot of the sexy films that people love so much Insofar as we're considering non-pornographic films. Okay, sure. I mean, there's that. There's The Thing, which we'll talk about when we get to The Thing. I mean, that that's, I, that seems like an Isabel pet project, because I don't, I don't get hot and bothered by The Thing. Well, you will. Everyone will after they hear my theories about The Thing and its mm. homoerotic tensions and the how good tentacles I are. Mean, ho- we'll get it. Homo- we'll get to it. Ho- okay, okay, okay. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't uh, blow up your spot right now. I will explain exactly why the thing is just porn. <laughs> um, Ludicrous. Fun fact: This I'm, um, I'll probably edit this part of the podcast, but I know Julie knows me super well because um, today she had to have a tooth extracted, and um, she sent me a text saying that she was doing okay. She was, and then she said, "I also got a picture of like the tooth after they pulled it out, and I know you like gross stuff. Do you want to see that?" And I was like, "Absolutely, show it to me oh, right no. now." Um, so I got to see that. It was definitely gross, and I appreciated that she thought of me. <laughs> that's that's romance. That's love. And well, I mean, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's knowing someone well. Yeah, it's like you know, there's there there are a few things more romantic than I saw this and thought of you. Sometimes that thing is a fucking recently extracted tooth. But uh, you know, I mean, who am I to judge? On that on that note, question mark. Uh, I guess it's plugs. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go for it. Um, okay, so uh, if you're a fan of whatever the fuck this is, um, you can uh, hit uh, hit the show up on Twitter at MiddlebrowPod. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Derek underscore G. Isabel is at Space Jam Fan. We are both on Letterboxd at those same handles. Uh, join the Middlebrow Madness Discord. Um, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts and every place where uh, good podcasts and Bad podcasts and podcasts are okay, are sold. Uh, you can send us an email at millbrowmadness at gmail.com. Send us all sorts of shit. Um, and I think that's everything. Well, uh, uh, listen to the other shows on the noisespace.xyz network. Uh, Isabel's got another show with uh, your friend and mine and uh, probably the listeners as well, because this is a small universe we operate in. One Bar King called for a good time. It's about porno and uh, porno, etc. I guess. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some wild shit in the coming episodes. I'm doing research for one of the episodes. I'm actually interviewing people. <laughs> um, let's just say uh, there's yeah, I'm a... yeah there's some <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, okay. coming up. Anyways, and, you know, at, the, at, the, at the risk of being a reductive, some weird shit coming down the pike. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but All until right. next and... time, oh, I say it. I've been Isabel <laughs> yep. and I've been Derek Gale. Have movies and be jolly. Bye. <laughs>
have movies be jolly. Good night, folks. Good night.